Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then, through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once-a-year town hall or a company-wide email to share what causes the org supported last year. GiveSum allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company, and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Ms. Nanette Ho-Coverington. How are you, Nanette? Mm. I'm doing fantastic, Tyler. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. Thanks for coming on. I know this has taken a while for us to find a time to align in your in your very busy schedule. I there is probably not an event that I go to in in, in Calgary that I don't run into you. You were so involved with the ecosystem, the community. So thanks for making the time and coming on to have a good old fashioned conversation. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Tyler. I look forward to this conversation and every conversation we have whenever we run into each other. I think the the first time we haven't run into each other was last week. It's true. I know. Absolutely. I was in Adventures where I ran into, I think, everyone else in the city. That is the networking event to be at. Someone told me that they had 4,500 people register for that that event. So I don't know how many were in the room, but in the big room, there was at least a couple thousand. I'm not good at going, hmm, how many people in this room? But there was a very, (laughs) there was a very hefty crowd and I had a bit of FOMO because I didn't attend as much last year. And I definitely did this year and, and walked away with some insights. And I just love seeing the energy and feeling the energy, I guess, in in the city. So let's talk, we're going to get into all kinds of things today, mainly innovation, what's happening across our ecosystem. But let's touch a little bit on what you do. You've been at Spartan Controls for 28 years and six months, according to LinkedIn. I, that might be the longest of anybody at anywhere I've ever talked to on the show. That is a long freaking time. That is it like is seventeen. That's like sixteen time. or seventeen careers for more, most most people. Talk to us a little bit. What like for everyone who doesn't know, what is Spartan Controls? What's your role there? And then let's jump off from there. Well, Spartan Controls is a industrial automation company. We're involved in all the process industries in Western Canada. We've been around for sixty years, so I've been with the company for half its lifetime that's almost. A, that's it's kind of crazy. And so, you know, Tyler, I had a chance to reflect uh, last few days because one of our founding fathers uh, passed away recently uh-huh. at the age of 97. But he was the man who was the brain trust of what Spartan became and who we are now. He was the one who started the whole employee ownership and partnership and entrepreneurial spirit. And so that lives on. So when I first joined Spartan back in 95, I thought, ah, okay, cool. It's a good jumping ground. I'll stay here for five years. I'll bounce off somewhere else. Well, 
no. <laughs> 28 years later, yeah. it still feels like I'm only going to stay for five years because that's what it, that because the time has passed and it doesn't feel like it's been 28. Does that make sense? It totally does. I I, I love you. Like every, you think of things in five years. How many just off the top of your head? How many different roles have you had in that in that period of time? Ooh, okay, so I started inside sales and then technical sales role, then account manager. Um, but, but in the inside sales roles in a couple of business units okay. and then account manager for 12 years. And then the last three years I've become the sustainability leader. Can't say it. Sustainability <laughs> leader. I'll help you. Leader. I'm, I'm creeping you. on your LinkedIn profile. How much? That's a huge evolution. English is my third language. Right. I'll just keep going. Well, you've mastered it quite, quite well. Um, <laughs> How much innovation is happening? Because we're going to pivot around innovation and mentorship and what it takes to bring a city forward. But you've seen, I can only imagine how much innovation and just change. I know innovation is an easy buzzword, but just change and evolution of what we were five years ago is not what we are today. You must have seen, uh, you've had a ringside seat for a massive shift across our you know Western Canadian landscape in terms of the way we do what we do, <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> right. So, so five years ago, you know, innovative ideas, were pushed aside because we were staying the course. We will do what we're doing. We're making money. We'll continue on. Um, nothing's broken. Okay. The shift is acknowledgement that we need to do something more about supporting um, our goals, our net zero goals. One, uh, you know, finally everybody sat down and figured out what you need to, to do and still need to do. And so part of that is continually innovating. You know, and if I read even just reports that have come from the city or the BCA, which is the Business Council of Alberta, you know, we need 2,500 new startups on an annual basis mm. to support what we need to do. That's crazy, right? So so to me, uh, my way of giving back and Spartan's way of giving back is helping support this ecosystem somehow. And so as a sustainable leader... I have six key focuses as part of my framework. Um, I, you know, if you imagine the, the globe, and at the top of the globe is the people. And I would like everybody, other company, people's are assets and probably the top priority. Supporting that would be well-being and supporting the community, environment and innovation. And at the very bottom, intentionally, is industry and education, because that's who supports our world. And if we don't support industry and education, we're done. We won't have that innovative practice. We won't be able to continue build out the ecosystem and continually filling the funnel. When you said five years ago, it was business as usual. Innovation was was pushed aside for potentially profitability and let's not innovate for the sake of innovating. Let's just keep the course. What was the what was the shift or what really drove that? And we're talking specifically in your organization, but I think this can be reflective across a lot of organizations at different stages of of you know, we'll even get into the word innovation because that's a that's also a, a bit of a bit of a catch-all. But five years ago is not that long ago when it when you were like it no. was business as usual, you know, kind of the joke very Alberta, head down, ass up. We're just gonna get the work done and get our customers what we know that they've needed and what they've needed for a while. Five years later, it sounds like and i I can feel it across our city, that's shifted quite significantly. It has significantly, you know, as Spartan Controls, uh, we've always been an innovative company. It's been our mandate, right? And so some of the solutions that we have developed over 20 years ago are just finally starting to really take off. Wow. Um, that's a real time. So, that's a real timeline so, to think about it in yeah, over a 20 year right? period. <laughs> over 20 year period. So, you know, we were, there were lots of great companies out there uh, that were 
early adopters and have been able to implement these solutions over the years. And there are some that are late adopters. Now they're going, oh man, we need to install these. Otherwise we're going to be in trouble um, and won't be able to meet any of the regulatory requirements. So, And some of those, are they driven more carrot or the stick? I'm assuming what you're proposing, those those innovations also have performance benefits, but they also Correct. have and a performance from a monetary or production or output or whatever the metric is, Correct. as well as the environmental side. When you're seeing Correct. companies that were maybe late to the party, we'll, we'll just, you know, they, were, they, they, they showed up late, but they still are showing up. Is it finally the stick that got them to show up or is it the holy hell, we're becoming less competitive? <laughs> you know what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, both. Okay. To be okay. honest, it's both, okay. yeah. right? It's it's the, the stick and, and uh, they've made all these commitments. And so how are they going to achieve it, right? And mm-hmm. so... Um, that's that's what I'm seeing. And are you seeing so, that work its way down through like size of organization does make it make a difference. Like, yes. You're a large organization. Sometimes you just have yes. more optics on you. You're smaller. You can ignore it or kind of look the other way for a while. Is that yes. starting to go away? Big, big, medium, yes. small, doesn't matter. Hmm? Doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter anymore. You know, the s- solutions that we've brought to the table, Tyler, over the last 20 years has abated 22 megatons out of the ecosystem. It's a pretty big number, considering. Let's look at um, uh, and your one specific of the megatons hydro, hydrocarbons specifically. Or oh, green car- CO two equivalent. C- C- okay, yeah. Th- yeah. Okay, sorry. CO two. I'm, I'm always learning my 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 <laughs> as as you know my wife. So sometimes I overhear and I'm listening. I'm like, oh, she's like she's speaking another language right now when I hear when I hear her in meetings. <laughs> I don't come from this sector and I'm very passionate about it and interested, but I'm always learning and quick to put up my hand when I go, wait, sorry, did I assume? Okay, I'm CO2. Yeah, yeah, check, yeah. Check. Yeah, so our run rate is around 4.3 and I think by the end of 2023, our run rate will go up to like five and a half. So it'll be great. Okay, fantastic. And from a perspective of the stick, the carrot, the balance of this, how much... Like, Innovation. We talked about it offline before we've got got on here. It's such mm-hmm. a buzz. It's such a buzzy term, and it's it so easy because it catches everything. But it really means. Well, what does it mean? How, how would you define innovation in the context of what we're talking about here? Well, bottom line, it has to bring value to the company. If it doesn't bring value to the company, it's not innovative, right? So, is it social innovation? Is it business innovation? Or is it technologically technological innovation? So, there's many different ways to look at it. And so, to me. Um, that's what's been defined for me as Spartan, as a Spartan, okay. and uh, from over years is what innovation is all about. It's not just the new techie thing; it's the whole thing. What are we bringing to the to the market, and what is it that's being valued, um, and that's actually making change? And I know you spend a lot of time in the community, and we can talk a little bit about the Avatar program, where I've got to know you a little bit more through the work you right. did with my wife, my wife, as she was an Avatarian, as she worked through the, the Avatar program. <laughs> it's a new word that Nanette taught me today was Avatarian. Avatarian. Yeah, no, I, I love what they're doing. Kevin, oh, yeah, yeah. Kevin's going to love that we're Kevin's talking gonna, about him right now. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Kevin's ears are buzzing. Either that. Because Kevin's always buzzing. Kevin's always buzzing. I think no matter when I see him, the guy is on tilt all the time. I love my conversations with him. Yeah, he's he's either buzzing because uh, we're talking about him, or buzzing because he hates the term avatarian. Oh, does he? Oh, even better. Okay, I'll have to use it next time I chat with him. Yeah, I t- chat with him, and he doesn't know I could refer to them as avatarians. Oh, it's just with oh, you. that's oh fantastic. Well, now now everybody now my, now the audience now, knows. now your entire so audience. So someone will say it to me like, "Where did you hear that?" Nah. Where, where I'm where I'm going with that is is when you're out there in the community, and I know you spend a lot of time and you're involved with so many, that innovation and that what is being valued, 
do you find companies are struggling with that? Like, is that part of the soul searching while they're really understanding kind of what does this mean for us? Dot, dot. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, uh, it's still an exploration for these smaller companies for sure. And the big companies have been uh, in innovation for quite some time, but, uh, things have been, um, how do I put it politely? <laughs> oh, there's no time for polite. We need to talk real. Give it to me. Give it to me straight. <laughs> no one will be offended. Well, the big, big corporate innovation is just very different, right? Okay. There's, there's bureaucracy. There's barriers. There's uh, uh, politics. Mm. Yes, there is. Posturing, positioning, and ass covering. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> I'll say ass covering if you won't. I don't know. Um, is that a swear word? You no, know, I don't think it is. I think it's a technical term that everyone knows okay. what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I heard doodad was a technical term as, oh. during one of the avatar pitches during Shark Tank last week <laughs> or two weeks ago. Doodad. Yeah. Well, doodad. We're just gi- gizmos. Gizmos. Yeah, gizmos. I'm like, okay, so tell me how does your doodad work? Um, so taking on what you just said, so when you see smaller, um, small to medium-sized companies start to become quote-unquote innovative, do you see the pace of change? or their ability to kind of, I'll be blunt, get out of their own way faster? Is it an advantage? And I've had other people talk to me from other sectors, whether it was big data or bringing AI, they said, ah, the medium-sized companies that get the, get the, get the, with the program are usually so much faster to act because they They have less of all the other stuff, right? Yeah. They're, they're more involved in the small, um, but they also have the capital uh, capability of making things happen Mm. uh, compared to the smaller, right? And so, I had a conversation with my mom recently. Gosh, mom, I hope you don't listen to this podcast. With my mom recently, and uh, she was talking to a neighbor who was a CEO of a smaller firm, and uh, who told my mom, ESG is bunk. This net zero is bunk. So there's that kind of barrier, too, still out there that uh, people don't believe in climate change or that there's things that need to get done. Climate change or not, whether or not you believe it, we need to be able to uh, do a better job and be more sustainable around how we operate in general as an an industry and ecosystem, regardless. And and that was instilled with me right from the start, right back when I joined Spartan 28 years ago. doesn't matter. We actually had stairs in the building so that we could make sure people were healthier because they could walk up and down the stairs Hmm. and then conserve energy. We didn't have to have an elevator. Hmm. I think you brought up a very point. We're not going to get into ESG, climate change, and all the debates and the very polarizing nature of that, but it's hard not to go, well, if we do things better, how's that going to hurt us? We're going to be more efficient. We're going to be less wasteful. We're going to be better stewards of the environment. We're going to leave it better than we found it. These are founding principles that whether you believe in climate change or not, seem like they stand on their own two feet. I know we're opening up a little bit of a can of worms here, but I just hate waste in any way. I hate wasting money. I hate wasting time. I hate wasting energy. I hate wasting dot, dot, dot. That's how the Spartan name came about, actually, Tyler. Mm. If you look at what Spartan's all about, it's about efficiency. It's about competitiveness it's about collaboration is the one one spartan right like spartan 300 you've right. seen that movie yes, i think we i think many of us have it's well and, it, and, it, I, and it's an unrelenting commit commitment to the goal right mm-hmm. right unrelenting commitment to the goal and so to me that has been instilled in my brain since day one and maybe i may i may be borgish now <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to uncouple once it's you've hard. been coupled in. It's yeah, that's good, yeah, great Star Trek hard. reference. It, it, I mean, yeah, well, I had to for Kevin's sake. Um, <laughs> nice. Mr. Spaceman himself. But, um, but uh, 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 
I guess for your audience who doesn't know who Kevin Crossard is, they can probably listen to one of your previous podcasts. Yes, I've had him on a couple of times. So yeah. Mm. <laughs> Great. Uh, amazing innovator. Uh, awesome human being. Uh, endless energy for what he's doing right now with the mm-hmm. Avatar Innovations Program. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. Mm-hmm. This podcast is all about people going, oh, I haven't heard of that. Go, 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 go check it out. But yeah, definitely. I've yeah. done a couple episodes. You search Kevin Crossard, uh, Collisions YYC, you'll find it. Great story. Let's pivot off that. That was a whole initiative that was designed to support innovation in our energy sector. Like, who better to do the innovating than the organizations that are directly involved in it? Correct. Have you been involved with Avatar from even from the early days? Because I think you you have been for quite a while, right? Yeah. So you know, it started with the fifty dollar donation to the food bank to for any of the participants. So we said yes. We had. Five of our younger, um, oh, I shouldn't say younger, delete that, uh, are, are, are young professionals. Young professionals. Well, younger can are be young. a technical term. As the point, as I'm getting older in my life, a lot of people are younger than me now. It's just a fact. It's just <laughs> exactly. a fact. Then. It's just a fact. <laughs> Wait till you go into schools and talk, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Go, I'm yeah, old yeah. enough to be your grandma is my <laughs> current uh, statement. So, um, um Oh, where was it going? We had a few of our young professionals join the Avatar program and uh, just saw the benefits for the actual individuals that went through the program. And then for Spartan Controls to have an insight on where the ecosystem is at and where these corporations are thinking. And so to me, it was a great opportunity to be involved and we've been involved since. And so is it still a great program? Yes, it is. And now that we've gone in person instead of virtual, um, I think the number of collisions that I've had over the last few years being more directly involved as either a coach or working for the organization on a seconded basis, um, to me, is just phenomenal. Um, you know, the comments I get through uh, just text messages or um, through LinkedIn from prior um Avatarians, uh, our alumni, uh, alumni avatar participants, has been phenomenal, right? And and uh, one yesterday said, "Nan, I can't, you know, it's no sweat supporting you because you helped me out a ton in my time uh, with Avatar." So that's what makes me feel good that uh, Spartan and Nan are doing the right things uh, by supporting the ecosystem. And so, you know, uh, anything we can do to help advance the industry. Um, and evolve the industry, maybe not advance, evolve the industry into what it needs to be. Um, I mean, it, just just say, Nan, we need your help. I'm there. Hmm. Evolve and advance. I think they're, they, they can be lumped into the same thought, thought, thought bubble. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you and I chatted before we got on, like, what are we talking about on the show? We got so many rabbit holes and we really, we really <laughs> yeah. camped out on just the need and the importance of people to mentor and to, because when oh, you, yeah. when you mentor, you learn, it's a real tricky, it's a real tricky, exactly. mentoring is a really tricky game. So talk exactly. to me a little bit about, because God knows you're busy. I, I, every time I see you, you are busy doing something, going, running somewhere, but yet you find the time. Talk to me a little bit about, and we're maybe our audience for this is other leaders that are, oh, I'm too busy to mentor. I believe, you know, I know it's important but I just can't find the time. Talk to me a little bit about your journey. One, about making time, but two, the benefits you've seen personally and just the impact. Like I want to, let's just sell the, let's sell the mentorship story here because we all have to support each other. In my mind. <laughs> well, one of our mantras that's, uh, is lifelong learning, right? Lifelong learning. And you've said it, lifelong learning works in a, um, uh, goes 
It's a two-way street. Yeah. I'll learn from you and you learn from me as we mentor. So it's co-mentoring, to be honest, mm, not mentoring. Like yeah. <clears throat> and and so uh, I will make time for anybody and everybody. And, and particularly, you know, there aren't very many uh, female Asian engineers out there. So uh, I get reached out to quite often. Um, I'm involved with uh, Wise Planet, and and uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Women in Science and Engineering. I have from, from you, actually. So I've done a little bit of research yeah. since you, you got it on my radar. <laughs> really? Yeah. So Dr. Lale Bejat is the co-founder of it. And so she announced yesterday that she has just been accepted into the Canadian Academy of Engineers. So that's pretty prestigious uh, um, acknowledgement for her uh, expertise. Fantastic. And where where is Wise Planet based out of it? Kind of it's based at the University of Calgary, the Schulich yeah. School of Engineering. And so we've had uh, three cohorts go through so far. Actually, Amazing. two cohorts go through. Two? Two. And we're on our third cohort. God, time's flying. This is our third year of engagement. We have four uh, Spartans from Edmonton participating on trying to figure out what we need to do uh, to help retain, mentor, uh, network women across the office better. Are you seeing a more of a shift of uh, more diversity or, and that can mean a lot of different things. And we're speaking specifically females moving into this space, uh, even in your course of your career, when I would have guessed awesome, you were the only one, sometimes probably the only woman in the room. There was probably times uh, over your yes. period. Is that shifting? And what are you seeing? And is there, are you excited about it? Are you positive? Or, 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 and, and is there still work to do? Of course, always, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm very encouraged by what I see. So I work very closely and uh, sit as advisors for a couple of the post-secondary institutions, uh, Schulich School being one of engineering, and the other is uh, the McPhail School of Energy. Okay. At SAIT. And so we had our, you know, feeling very energized after spending the whole Friday in strap meetings with the dean. Um, there was like 75 people in the room at one point, and then there was a dean's council, and just hearing about, you know, the advances, um, what we need to do to attract and retain and train um, new um, professionals. So when you sit in that room in Avatar and the Shark Tanks and you hear the pitches and we're just going to we're, we're really camping okay. out. We're really camping yeah, 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 out yeah. on Avatar a lot because it's, <laughs> yeah, co- it's right. common ground for you and I. Yeah. How much do you see or do you believe and I'm getting letting your you get your own kind of perspective on this. When you see innovation, you see ideas that you're like, whoa, where that idea came. How much is the diversity of the team play into that? And that can be male, female. It can be uh, it doesn't I don't want to play diversity as just a gender because it's just so much more no, than that. But, but when you see those new crazy harebrained schemes and I say that in a complimentary way. How much is diversity of, you know, we joked about the river of thought. When you know a lot about something, it's hard to break out of that. But when you bring somebody who doesn't look like you, have the same background as you, or grow up where you grew up, they're not going to look at the problem the same way as you do. No. And I love it because it is so cool. You have diversity of thought. I think that's the most critical part of the whole experiment. Well, Avatar is no longer experiment, but I I call. (laughs) I think think a lot of things in life are a big experiment, but that's my own view of things. Okay. So me too. So, so to me, you know, it's a cool, cool way of putting together people with different backgrounds and knowledge into a problem and then watching them build uh, a structure into something that's uh, a, a solution that's actually going to solve a major problem. Like I got to see the avatar pitches during Shark Tank 
mid-May and just amazed, right, at what has been presented. Um, 20 of those pitches are probably going to get welcomed into studio. Um, Which is where they get funding to go to the next level for anyone who doesn't know the the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we started with 46 teams. We're down to 20. And then the venture fund will see what comes out on the back end of that 20. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, I don't know, lots of great... um, I get to coach the teams before they go into pitch, right? So I get to spend five minutes or 10 minutes with them going, how you doing? You're... And you can see which teams uh, have really gelled well. Um, and in fact, mo- the, other than the virtual ones, because I couldn't really coach them. <laughs> of course, yes. Uh, there, the vir- virtual, there's a lot of different challenges. <laughs> there's a sure. lot of different challenges yeah. for sure. But, but, you know, when you approach a team live, you can just see and, and how they've worked together for the last 12 weeks. Like you've crashed them together and put them through a really, uh, sprint, a, a big sprint. Was it storming, forming and norming? I think, is that the order? Is that the right order? Yeah, <laughs> you, you throw yeah. them all together and bang. You throw them all together yeah, and bang, bang around, see what happens. And, yeah. See what happens. What, right. What advice do you give to organizations that where the, the, the avatar program is unique and we're camping out on it a little bit because it brings in different people from different organizations, different parts of the country, different areas of professional expertise. What do you recommend for a mid-sized organization who's looking to become more innovative, but when they look around, they look a lot like each other and they've maybe worked together for years. How do you break that barrier or what are some of the maybe tips and tricks you would recommend for someone listening going, okay, well, I'm not in the avatar program, but I've got all these people and we want to do innovative things. What, what have you seen work really well or what advice could you give on that area? I I think um well part of my job with Avatar is to bring in more people. Okay, uh, okay we're really Kevin is not paying either of us for this episode, but he might no. afterwards. After this, I don't get paid at all. So it's, Kevin. it's a it's a labor of love, a labor of love. Just like being a podcaster, trust me. It's a labor of love. Yeah. Yes. So uh, for a mid-size, I think give it a try. Like there's nothing wrong with giving it a try. Um, and having one or two members of your team just to attend or assess it. You know, there was a Crin Young Professional Scholarship. And so anybody from your organization could have applied or can apply okay. to, to attend Avatar for free <laughs> if, if they had someone in the organization that wanted to join, right? And so this year I got to see quite a few from the industry from... Um, uh, the ecosystem from small and big uh, become an uh, avatar participant through that young professional uh, scholarship program uh, funded by CRIN. So, um, so there's that option to, it is a small investment on your people. Like to me, it's a people developer. It's a leadership skill development as well. And opportunity for that, for a person so that's one thing two you get to listen in on what everybody else is working on because you are thrown into a team diverse team then you can you can use it as a consultative process to understand what your uh, fellow ecosystem members are doing and depending so on who you are you might be in there with somebody who's a potential client or a potential venture partner or like there's correct. so many avenues. it's not the, the business case isn't that far under the surface either right no the business case is massive right it's just all depends on how you look at it and that's the that's the part i would need people to think about is look at it a little differently than you normally would Mm, fair, fair, fair enough. Even, right? even, because, in, even internally, do you recommend taking a little bit of page of that book of maybe, you know, if you're, if you're going to focus on innovation or things that are innovative in your organization, is it 
not putting the same the usual suspects in the room that are usually there for these types of programs and Correct. pulling people from your organization that maybe never work together just for that very reason? <laughs> exactly. Just for that very reason, right? Ideas come from all sorts of uh, avenues. And, and, you know, going back to mentorship and coaching, that's one of the reasons why I love reaching out or connecting with people is trying to understand different perspectives. And so to me, that is a, a learning opportunity for them and for me to understand. And maybe that helps with the innovation process too, right? And it will, it naturally will help with the innovation process to kind of go, huh, I never thought of that. Yeah. So, so yes. mm -hmm. right. The, the power of what comes out of it. We, we, we did this a long time ago as a company and identified that it was never anyone's idea because if there was more than two people in the room, it was because of the chemistry that the idea, whoever said it was almost irrelevant because just because I uttered it, it might be because someone else said something and I went, Hey, what about, and boom, you've got the, and then the idea, exactly. Oh, who said that? It doesn't matter. The group, doesn't the, matter. It, it only existed because the group played off of each other. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. Exactly. What? You know, yesterday, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Mm. Yesterday, you know, I had uh, a mentorship coffee uh, with someone at the office and uh, <laughs> it took us a while to get it scheduled, but we got it scheduled pretty quick. Um, I should say a while. It took three or four tries before we <laughs> I, found the hey, time. Nanette, I've, 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 <laughs> I was on a podcast dating with you, and it took us about three or four tries to get this in, too. So I get it. <laughs> but, but that half hour was great. You know, understood what she wanted to achieve during her time as an intern at Spartan. Introduced her to another female engineer at the office who's a manager at Spartan as well. And so, you know, th things start going. Okay, great. So now what's the outcome? Uh, what do we want to do next? And I think that's also important in any activity, whether or not it's innovation or mentorship or coaching. It doesn't end with that time. What's, what are we, next? what's next? What's next? And so to me, I'm an action-oriented person, as are you, Tyler. <laughs> and so we, I don't sit there and... and write for eons i'm i write things down to remind me as what i committed to doing next yeah I like, right i like that what's next <laughs> what's next and so you know and had lunch with a couple colleagues yesterday and another coaching mentorship opportunity for me was to understand you know what are their kids doing okay great how can i help your kid advance right mm -hmm. to me we need to continue drawing in uh, the talent into the funnel because there is a huge shortage i'll call it yeah. of people to support what we need to do if you talk about the net zero goal that everybody has by 2050 and the number of people that we actually need to actually get it done we don't have enough people hmm. and people are starting to shy away from the stem fields like science technology engineering and math because they don't want to be in this industry guess what it is this industry is going to be uh, is going to be the busiest and probably most innovative in the future because if we look at where we're headed, we're going to have to measure more. We're going to have to monitor more. We're going to have to verify more. And so who's going to do all that? All these students going into software, AI, ML, those skills are just going to explode over the next few years for sure. In, in, and especially in, in relation to the energy sector. And I say energy Correct. energy in all its forms. I want to be really clear Correct. with that statement. Correct, in all its forms. <clears throat> that, it, it, and and I've, I'm I'm a huge supporter of who better to optimize and and improve on our industry than the groups Correct. that are already working in it now. This Correct. whole this whole like let's turn it all off and then restart something over here. That's just not a realistic journey in yeah. a, in a world where you know energy scarcity is a real thing in a lot of parts of the world. Sometimes I think it we sure sometimes we're a bit cocky because we have energy abundance that can go yeah. away really really quickly. 
Uh, and not to be doom and gloom here a little at all. No, but I'm sure, like, the conflict has really made me reflect uh, in, in, in Europe. The conflict in, in Europe and the security of, and supply of energy in Europe has really made me mm. pause and think about what are our priorities and what should they be, right? And so energy for the world is important. And, um, you know, so, again, Nan over-volunteers, but I've... Um, <laughs> I'm sensing, I sense that about you. <laughs> so... so I've actually committed to helping out with the World Petroleum Congress this September. So um, the area that I've taken on in the Carbon Tech Expo is energy of the future, which gets me super excited to see what what's uh, getting ready to unfold for that us. That would as a be society. that would be very cool, <laughs> right? Fuels your so, endless curiosity. <laughs> yeah, it does. Right. So we're we're talking about uh, hydrogen. We're talking about renewables, and we're talking about electrification. So. Um, those are the key things that uh, I'm putting panels together for. I was listening to a futurist at, at Inventures on Friday talking about fusion energy production and just the, the oh like, yeah he was getting way out in the future, but it was quite interesting. It was quite inspiring and powerful of the things you know as our computing power increases with the evolution of quantum and then the problems we're able to solve and then how that then trickles its way all back into everything from from yeah. uh, you know a, back to uh, sonic aircraft to fusion energy creation to you know interconnectivity and you know n- neural networks versus digital networks and it kind of melts your brain and in a very exciting way very. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> oh yeah, very very fast. Did you know the University of Calgary is leading the uh, a national quantum research piece? I didn't know that. I'm going to get yeah, a hold of somebody there because cool. I I really am curious about this quantum rabbit hole. Every more I oh. hear about it, the more excited, the more curious yeah, Megan, I become. Okay, Megan Lee. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll introduce right. you to okay. Megan Lee. F- fantastic. That is that is how I, this is how I meet all the best people. I love it because I really <laughs> like to because it's such a cool conversation. And we bring it up with most people. They're just like kind of glaze over because it's so new and it's so abstract for a lot of people to understand, mm-hmm. inc- including myself. Even trying to mm-hmm. explain quantum to somebody goes, "Well, what is quantum computing?" I'm like, "Well, it's zeros and ones, but from every direction at all times, but simultaneously." And they're like, "I don't understand." I'm like, oh, "No, me neither. I'm just repe- I'm just repeating what I heard." <laughs> Well, Megan Lee just presented uh, the work that they're doing at the University of Calgary to those of us on the Crin Digital Oil and Gas theme. Oh, I would love so to chat with her. Really Thank cool. You. I'll, I'll take yeah, you up yeah. on that intro. Uh, okay, we're talking a lot about the positive and the and the innovation and the the participation. But I always like to have real conversations. Where do you think, or very broad question, I know, where are we still holding ourselves back? Where are we getting in our, where are we getting in our own way? Where can, where can we quote unquote do better? But let's, let's, let's not overlook that there's always things we can improve on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we talked about politics earlier, didn't we? We, a little bit. We did. Well, we did. Yes. The pol- we talked, we, I think I said policy, but that quickly leads oh, okay. to politics. So, politics. Yes. Well, there's, there's internal and external, right? Yeah. So to me. You know, we did. Uh, it, it's a little bit of both in my mind okay. that that uh, that are the barriers. So we need stable policy and regulatory process. We know that we've known that for quite some time. Um, people don't act on anything unless they have a stable ground, right? Like I'm not going to invest in something until I know that this is going to. Well, the lack of consistency in, in the reporting exactly. world is really creating a lot of problems, right? Whether it's yeah. province to province, nation to nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Jurisdiction to jurisdiction, U.S. Yeah, yeah nation to nation for sure. Yeah. And and so that to me is going to cause grief. Um, you know, innovators won't know what they need to innovate against without yeah. the policy. So there's that. 
make, it stops us in its it, like just list, just that statement you just made. Innovators don't know what to innovate because they're not sure what they're going to be measured against. That kind of that stops all forward movement, right? Yeah, it does. It sure does, right? Mm. So you're second guessing what what government's going to do. So there's a bit of that uh, to me in my mind, and and uh, I think partisanship. <laughs> I guess I'm still sticking to politics, you know, East versus West, North yeah, versus yeah, South, yeah, yeah. right? So we need to get past that and just innovate for the outcome that we're trying to seek. And so what is that outcome? And we all know what the, the goal, goalposts are in 2050, and, and we need to pursue that outcome regardless of politics. When you see the 2050 goal, how much of that is, and I'll be candid, a good marketing and PR ploy, a good, you know, I know it gets us moving, but I talk to some people and they're like, there's some, there's some un- completely unrealistic expectations placed around this number in the sky or this number in the, uh-huh. in the future. But at the same time, the, most people I've chat will say, yeah, and it's still getting us moving in the right direction, even though we're probably not going to hit it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it was one of, it's like the moonshot mindset. And I know people are taking it a lot more serious than just a moonshot idea. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And to me, it, it is a bit of a moonshot right now, but I'm very optimistic. You know, we have done an assessment. I'm going back to Spartan. Okay. And the assessment we did last year was looked at all the process industries in Western Canada. And if we applied even just these optimization efforts um, around these the existing facilities, okay. deployed some of our process automation technologies, we'd be able to abate 100 megatons by 2030. We're at 20 right now. And so... You know, considering Canada's output right now is 670 megatons, 100 megatons is no small, it's not a small dent. No, it's not. That's, that's a, a real number. Dent. And that's, yeah. and that's just, I want to be really clear. That's just optimizing against existing facilities using processes Correct. that are currently available today. Correct. That's not net so, new problems to be solved. We're just solving the ones we already know about and we already know how to solve them. Correct. Okay. Right. That's quite optimistic. It is. To me, I'm very optimistic about that. Um because we know it works. <laughs> we, Which, we what know. you talked about earlier, that, that we're, if anytime we can de-risk, that's a good strategy, right? We know exactly. it works. Exactly, exactly. And so to me, one of the other barriers is actually uh, deployment. Mm. And so there's lots of money out there for innovation, um, early startups, et cetera. But once something's commercialized, we need to be the first adopters as Canada. Yeah. Not not watch it go to the US. Well, which is <laughs> and, and, and I've heard a lot of people say there's together. a valley of death for new innovative products in Canada where the first and right. second like those the first or second your customer is really hard to get because there's no incentives and it feels like the organization has to take on all that risk. Right. I agree. Yeah. And and so I do like the avatar model in that respect because your first customer is built into the model. Well, they were at the table. They're at the table. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah right? you know, fall in love. It's no, it's, you don't just fall in love with the problem. You fall in love with your customer's version of the problem. I think there's a very Correct. key difference Correct. there. And, and Correct. I was in some of the pitches at Inventures and also in some of the with some of the VCs that were running some of their kind of advice panels around like talk to your customer. Like it sounds so obvious, but so many startups don't do it, or they do it exactly. and think they've got it figured out, and then go away and squirrel away in the in the lab doing the thing, and then bring yeah. it out to the customer. The customer like, oh, geez, you should have asked me because I don't. We don't actually need that. We don't care about that. Mm. Right. So there's two things that I've learned through this whole avatar process. I shouldn't say learned, reinforced because <laughs> nice. I already knew it. Right. So it's find out from your customer, listen to your customer, 
solve the problem that the customer is seeking you to solve. Fall in love with that um, and not with your solution. Hmm. How much right. does it, what's the old, what's the joke? If we asked the customer what he wanted, he would have said a faster horse. That's an old Henry yeah, Ford joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much is there a balance? We're getting way abstract for this question. <laughs> the balance between like, sometimes customers don't even like, I don't know what problem. I don't even know the problem I'm having or even the capacity to solve it. Sometimes like, there is a balance Correct. there. And I know there that sounds way more crystal ball, magic potion, wizard back room versus <laughs> sitting down with your customer and working through uh, the journey of their work and finding out where you can optimize it, where they've got the pain points, which sometimes are not even that complicated, they've just been. Oh, that's the way we've always done it. We didn't know there. Was, exactly. We didn't know there was a better way, right? Exactly. And so that's part of our that whole discovery with the customer yeah. or opportunity is to understand. Okay, what are the problems they think they have, and then just audit the whole thing to be able to get down to. Hey, did you ever think of this? And there's usually an aha moment at the end of that. They kind of go, Oh, oh. <laughs> Okay, cool. Let's go down that path. Back to the and danger so, of being an expert. Sometimes you don't see the options right? because you know it too well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I love the uh, I love disruptive thinking. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I got described this last week. This is Nan. She's an ecosystem disruptor. That was how it was introduced. Nan, is that a is that a fancy word for shit disturber? I think it is. I think it is. I, I, okay, I said I wouldn't swear. I wouldn't swear first, but I did. Nan, the shit disturber is a great. I think that's a badge of honor. I love it. I'm going to get you a t-shirt made. Yeah. Okay. Nan, the shit disturber. And I say that with endearing love and affection, as as you know, I do. I know, I know you do. Anyway, it was, but we need that. It, we need that. The more we think we know something, the more dangerous that becomes, right? Right. <laughs> I'm and convinced so, this is the only way. Oh, danger zone, danger zone, <laughs> danger zone. And I think that gets to the basic principles of being an engineer, being curious. Mm, you yeah, know, yeah. you know why? <laughs> you know, back to that two-year-old. Why? 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 Death, How? Death what? By wise. Where? Death by, wise. death by wise. And so, to me, that's the most important. Um, um, most important thing is just continually asking questions. And again, another thing that's been fostered in me since the beginning: if you don't know, just ask. There's no such thing as a stupid question. So just keep asking, and until you know. Until you understand what it is and what you need to do to solve any problem, you know mm-hmm. that's been my mantra since I started. Well, I started Spartan was continually asking why. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how much? And this is I'm gonna some some of our engineer audience will roll their eyes. How much is psychological <laughs> safety mission critical? Because asking a question, and being curious, no stupid questions. We all know that's not always true in every organization. That's true. And so, talk to me about like because innovation to me, I don't think can exist, or curiosity can exist where I don't feel safe. Or and I, the word safety or sounds a bit fluffy. If I'm going to get attacked every time I ask a quote unquote stupid question, I'm going to stop asking them real quick, right? That's true. <laughs> like that is immediately true. after after question two, I stop asking. I just keep quiet in the meeting. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, you're you're right. Um, but that's probably why I've been called a disruptor. Is sometimes I just ignore it and just keep going, right? Which I and I'll get in that. trouble after. Yeah. yeah, and I get in trouble afterwards potentially. But uh, again, that just continues to, you know, the need to be creative, the need to be curious, the need to be courageous through this whole thing. Um, if we can't get that, those. Um, get through that, then I don't think we'll be able to be innovative at all. 
Well, and you said it earlier on uh, talking about, about Spartan controls, that sounds like it's already pre-baked into the value system. And I think it's really important to set our organizations <laughs> yeah. up for success. And we model the behavior that we see. And as leaders, founders, 28-year team members, how you act, and especially somebody new starts, they watch. And if you're asking those kind of questions, they're probably, I th- and this is my own armchair assessment, they're going to feel a lot safer to do it themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think I would not have survived 28 years if I was, wasn't allowed to continually being curious. Yeah. Um, they would have gotten rid of me a long time ago. <laughs> Somebody would have decided to break up with someone, right? It would, it would, it would, it would have exactly. happened. Exactly. Let's, exactly. Uh, let's pull out the crystal ball here for a minute. And you look, look down the road and even like you, you made the timeline of five years. And what about the next five years? Like, what are you excited about? What do you see coming down the pipe, specifically in Western Canada and the energy sector, the, the, the industry that you have camped out in, are passionate about and have lived and breathed for literally the last 30 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so the next five years, oh, it's going to be super exciting, Tyler. You know, we'll have diversification in our industries. Uh, that, to me, is the most exciting thing. Our energy sector it will be truly an all-encompassing energy sector. And it already, you know, it has been for years. We've had renewables in, in part of our energy companies. But, you know, just thinking things a little bit differently. Um, so what do I see? Five years from now... Calgary, Alberta, Canada will be the poster child for the energy ecosystem. We're already getting lots of uh, people peeking over the fence, so to speak, like that, that, you know, going, hey, there's some really cool things (laughs) happening in Alberta. What's going on over there? So I've been pinged by a few folks south of the border going, hey, um, it looks like you're doing something pretty cool and your name keeps coming up on all these different things that are involved, right? In this That's space. Awesome. So I love when people so, start to notice. <laughs> yeah, right? And so to me, I don't want to be just noticed. I want to be um or or sense that there's something going on. Yeah. I want them to see that there's something going on. And that's that's what I want in 5 years is that we are making a mark on um society. Period. And I love and the energy ecosystem, like talking about it as an inclusive whole, not this versus that, not renewable versus versus fossil. Yeah, I, I think that that's our our. It's, yeah. it's polarization is kind of lazy because it's easy, but when you think about things truly from a broader sense, it's hard to wipe something out of the mix. In my sure. in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can't because we have such a diversity across our own nation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in the Western Canada, we are heavily abundant with with the fossil fuels in Eastern Canada, you've got hydro energy that they're abundant with. Right. So, so you need to understand the entire mix of a nation. You can't pit one region against the other. Mm, I really Um, appreciate it. Thinking about it. Oh, we're so divisive, but that's another podcast we won't get into today. The device We're so addictive to divisive versus inclusion. (laughs) Exactly. So it needs to be systemic conversation or systemic uh, outlook or holistic outlook on the whole ecosystem. Right. And then again, it's not just, it doesn't end at the border. <laughs> no, Mother Nature doesn't have, doesn't have, it no. doesn't have fences, right? No, that's no, a, that's right. a man-made, that's right. a, that's a that's human-made a event. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, so, so what do we need to do to ensure that we have better collaboration across all jurisdictions across Canada, across Canada and or, or North America? Yes, we have NAFTA, but that, that doesn't. <laughs> doesn't do what we need it to do in this instance. Exactly. 
Nan, so I'm curious, circling back on something you mentioned earlier about you know partisanship versus bipartisanship. Do you see if we look down, you know, we look across the next five years, even though it's a 2050, are we, do we have an opportunity for some bipartisanship around, uh, we'll just say our environmental and our sustainability goals, or is that a bit of a pipe dream? Um, quite honestly, I think it's a bit of a pipe dream, you know, but we have to aspire to something. And uh, <laughs> we all need aspirational goals. And, and um, I think we need far more collaboration amongst the different um, groups. Um, we need to have a common goal um, internationally, not just locally. Then, then we can actually do make some change, right? Having different goals. China's got a goal for 2060. Ours is 2050. And then different parts of the world have other goals. Um, <laughs> it's hard, right? Because you don't advance uh, in a company, your own company, right? If you have an individual going rogue and making change, the company doesn't advance unless the entire company comes along, right? It's the same thing. To me, it's the exact same thing. It's, I guess maybe we should focus on getting it, getting it, quote unquote, right nationally before we worry about the rest of the it, world. Uh, not to oversimplify, but it, it, you, and you mentioned it, there's a lot of divisiveness just between central, east and west. Correct. And so to me, let's just focus on Canada and doing the right thing for Canada. And then let's take on the world. <laughs> I'm, I am, I'm 100% on board. And I really love what you said about, you know, even energy ecosystem. But let's think about the different provinces and different parts of Canada and what they have abundance in and what they have expertise in, like hydroelectric versus hydrocarbons. Correct. Just thinking about that. And if you think about it as the whole, the story gets a lot more powerful and a lot more balanced really quickly right? than us, this us versus them right. mindset, which historically takes us nowhere good. <laughs> right. And so nuclear, for example, is one of those mm. cool... Um, national initiatives. So we're now thinking of putting it into our SAGD facilities to help generate steam. And, Interesting. Um, but, you know, the expertise is in Ontario. But yeah. those small modular nuclear reactor expertise is really in the, the um, maritime provinces. So that, to me, is a nice national collaboration <clears throat> component. I like well. We're going to talk offline because I need to. I need to get some more people to talk about the the, mod the small modular nuclear reactors on the show and really talk about nuclear. And because I've I've read a lot of articles and just stumbled down some rabbit holes of we're really going to hit our goals. Yeah. That's got to play a part. Oh yeah. And, you know, there's such a negative story around that over the years, rightfully or wrongfully. But like anything, technology has evolved. Uh, safety has evolved. There's a lot more sure. on the table than there was when you watched the Chernobyl documentary or the Three Mile Island documentary, and it, those were all at a di at a different time and things they go horribly wrong. So I don't want to minimize that either. Right. And so the, I uh, met someone from Suncor last week at this uh, advisory council meetings. Um, and so her focus is on small modular nuclear reactors. Um, so one of my panelists that we're pursuing, she doesn't know this yet. <laughs> she, she, I, I love it. I, I love a, I love an inside scoop. <laughs> she doesn't know this yet, but we're about to ask her. She's on vacation. Uh, we may need to edit this part out, but, uh, uh <laughs> this will be live in a few weeks. So she would have already been asked by then. So it's all okay, right. Good. We're, we're, we're already in the future. We just, do, we, we just don't know it yet. Oh, man. <laughs> we just don't know. Okay. So, so yeah, I know there you go. Wrap your head around that one yeah. for a second. <laughs> uh, uh, so she, we're going to, she looks after, um, that incentive initiative for Alberta Innovates. And so she'll be one okay. of my panelists for the World Petroleum Congress. 
Um, there's another gentleman uh, that has been working in this space that I can introduce you to. He now works for Qit. Please. No, I'm very curious about this. And I think it's, again, like anything, we need to educate. People need to understand. You exactly. hear the word nuclear. It doesn't automatically mean bad. And it doesn't automatically mean good. But it does mean like, this to, is an opportunity. We need to take it seriously. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to avoid that. Well, there's going to be NIMBY no matter what, right? Not in my backyard. So we need to yeah, figure, in order to avoid that, we need to do a proper job of educating. Same with, with uh, you know, we're going to convert to hydrogen as a fuel source. Okay. We need to be able to educate people about what that means because um, everybody thinks about the Hindenburg, right? <laughs> when you think hydrogen. <laughs> I know, which is so, how many, how many years ago was that? But yes, I, I get it. Right? We, we, tend, we tend to remember disasters. We, we run towards them, but then we, then we uh, you know, shift our narrative uh, almost too much because that was what, 80, 100? I don't even know when that yeah. one. When was the Hindenburg? <laughs> I don't know. We can ask Siri. But yeah, yeah. No, totally. when was the Hindenburg? I'll, I'll Google while we're talking. Okay. When, was, when was the Hindenburg? Um, I think 19 ought something. Uh, when was the HIN? And it already, I already knew what I knew what I was asking. 1937. Okay. I was like, it was right before World War II, II with yeah. my memory, yeah. which is 1937. That's right. The, the, yeah. Okay. But the and rabbit hole. Okay. We'll pull out of that rabbit hole. It's 1937, May 6th, 1937 for anyone who's listening. There's probably some buffs on there that already <laughs> knew the date just by listening to it. Yeah, exactly. Nan, I really appreciate you coming on, just having like, you know, a good old fashioned chat, which is what I love to have on these podcasts to share. You're so involved in the community and I literally see you, you, you and I run into each other everywhere. It's that's Calgary. Once you know someone, you will run into them three times in the next exactly. three weeks. Like it's just the way, the way it goes. Exactly. And, I, and I know you, my wife had the opportunity of to be mentored by you when she was, when she was involved in the Avatar program. And so I've heard nothing but just glowing feedback and your impact on the ecosystem and your ability to influence and provide guidance and support and just to be there for people in it, I think has been huge. So I really wanted to celebrate it and just thank have a chat you. with you. I wanted to get a little, a little piece of it just for myself on this, on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Well, thank you very much, Tyler, for inviting me. And I had so much fun and I had even more fun uh, coaching team Vivent. Uh, <laughs> nice, Vivent, yes. Vivent, um, just yeah. to give them a, a you know, 10 second uh, um, uh, ad. But to me, I get a lot of joy and I'll get a lot of energy by being able to give back by supporting and mentoring. So to me, that's uh, my favorite part of being part of the ecosystem. Well, and I, I, it's circling back to like, if you haven't tried it, try it because you get energized from exactly. it. People are laughing and rolling their eyes, but it's true. It's true. And a lot of times we just, right? oh, I'm too busy to do it, but yet you can do twice as much because you're twice as energized. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and you just, again, never know where cool ideas come from by, and by being involved, you get those cool ideas or connections. And so those who know me know that I'm a, a big time connector. I get a lot of energy about connecting people and seeing what comes from that kind of uh, relationship and development. Um, I think I've connected you with a couple, couple of connections. You have, you have. And I think I'm going to, I've got a list of people to ask you about when we get, when, when we get, when we get off the air here. No, I think I mentoring and connecting and being around uh, innovative ideas. It's a little bit of a fountain of youth secret. I'm, I'm saying I, it a lot. I agree. How do you, how do you stay young? Stay involved. Stay involved. <laughs> stay involved. Right? Like, I'm starting to get some gray hair. Uh, I don't see too. I don't see very much from here. I don't know. I think, but I don't. I don't know. We're not going to get into your hair care tips with Nan. It's a whole different episode. That's a different episode. That's a different episode. Yeah. Then, uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? I know. I know you're on LinkedIn and you're you're, you're out and about. But what what are your preferred ways for people to reach out? Well, they can reach me through Spartan Controls. Um, 
Amazing. And so they can find my information on the website or figure it out from the website instead of giving you my name and number and all that stuff on, <laughs> on this podcast. We all find ways. I just like to ask people what their preferred is <laughs> yeah. these days because there's so many there's ways so many, to get a hold of people. But LinkedIn is probably one of the best ways. I do respond okay. very, very nice. quickly. Um, Am I under Nanette Ho Covington or Nan Ho Covington and LinkedIn? I, have uh, I no think idea. it's Nanette. I think. Am I? Uh, no, it's 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 Nanette. Okay. It's Nanette Ho Covington because I was creeping on your LinkedIn this morning. Okay, <laughs> and you have gotten back to me very promptly, so I will validate you are you're very good. I'm not always awesome on LinkedIn, but it's it's amazing though. Some people choose LinkedIn as their channel to communicate with you. Other people go email. Other people text you. Yeah. it's uh, we we are all drowning under ways to communicate. Oh yeah, and you know what? I accept them all formats. Um, nice. And so to me. Um, again, another one of the things that's instilled in you, you need to get back to your customer within an hour, um, of being connected with, right? So, you know, if- sometimes it's not that, it's not that complicated to, to be better than the other the other person, right? The, comp- the competition, let's just call it that. It's just be responsive. I don't know how many times in my industry, I'll someone will reach out and I'll, I'll I often handle a lot of the new biz, biz dev leads. I like to just get in yeah. touch and people are like, oh, wow. Thank you. Like you're the first person who even bothered reaching, Ex- getting back exactly. to me. I'm like, that is so sad, exactly. but good, good for me for just responding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't even done anything yet, but I've already exceeded expectations. That's amazing. Yeah. Three key mantras, be responsive, be knowledgeable and be committed. Right. And so again, values that were instilled for me since the beginning, um, 28 and a half years yeah, ago. I'm going to, th- I'm going to, th- I'm going to bolt be kind on there too, but that's just my own. I'm going to piggyback on your three. <laughs> be bold and be kind. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Try, yeah. Try kindness. It works great. It works really great. Right. <laughs> it works really well, really well, especially in the, especially in this amazing town. Nanette, uh, high fives. That was an amazing conversation. Thanks for taking the time. And I look forward to running into you. Well, Sam Pete's coming up. So I'm sure I'll run to you at least half a dozen times. Well, during Sam how about I make sure I invite you to some events? You know what? Even better. I accept already. I will done. Yeah, my calendar's starting to come together, but it's not that busy yet. It's still looking like I don't have much going on. So I'm sure that'll that'll happen. Both. It happens slowly. I'm just like, what's what's going on here? There's usually uh, three events at the same time. But I look forward to seeing you during Stampede. And, and thanks for coming on and making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Tyler. I really had lots of fun. And I hope what we said was something cohesive. <laughs> I think we pulled it. I think it all hung together. I, I don't know. We, I, had, I, we, enjoy, we enjoyed it, which is step one for a good conversation. We had eight lanes. <laughs> we, did, we did. I think we caught them all. Maybe we, uh, we've got a few more for next time, though. Let's not, let's not say we used up. We didn't uh, run out of things to talk that's about. That's true. <laughs> we, have, we have more to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. It. Thank you.